I thought before we uh, begin the message this morning, I should set the record clear. I did not uh, politic Reverend Shepherd to uh, give you insights on drums today. That was uh, <laughs> not part of the plan. <laughs> I was impressed that so long ago in his church in Philadelphia, the Lord had led him to do that. This morning, I'm going to talk about um, change. The real essence of the gospel is that adults at any age and any stage can change. We don't have to be who we are. We can become something, something more than we are, something that God wants us to be. And one chapter in that change today is we're going to talk about irritability. If you're a person with a short fuse, one who's known uh, as high maintenance, you have to be kind of protected and cared for, otherwise you'll explode, uh, perhaps this message is for you. We're asking these days in our church, or should be, what difference is Jesus really making in my life? What's the end product, impact of my attending Menlo Press? And I, I hope the answer will be, we're becoming more like Jesus. And that's kind of a generic term. So every week we kind of break that down into what it does it mean to be like Jesus. And if you read 1 Corinthians 13, that's a pretty good picture. And then in this one verse out of that chapter, love is not irritable. Jesus is not irritable. Uh, Jesus is not easily angered. That has a lot to say to us in these times. Because you see, we live in a society where many people are, have their insides sort of coiled like a snake, ready to strike out with the slightest provocation. If you don't think so, some lean on our horns seconds after the light turns green. Uh, people will wait with impatience at the, in line. Even at the slightest delay, you'll hear grumbling at the bank, in the market. And then perhaps worst of all, we come home at night and we dump the frustrations of a stress-filled day on the only people who will listen to us, those who are closest to us and who love us enough to put up with us. So if we seek today the power of Jesus Christ to conquer irritability, to become persons who soothe waters in human relationships rather than stir them up, we're not talking about a tiny part of Christianity. We're really talking about its essence. Jesus changes people so that we could become his lovers, his peacemakers in a very violent world. That's why we're going to study love is not irritable today. I want us to first consider the cause. Why are we irritable? And it's very easy to diagnose. We become irritable because our personal needs are not being met. Or more specifically, we're irritable because we're still selfish. We get in a hurry, we get totally caught up in our agendas, and then people, instead of being brothers and sisters, become barriers in our, to our scramble to achieve our goals for the day. Or we have dreams of what we think would give us a fuller life. And many times those dreams fall short of reality. We become jealous of those who have more, and we get mad at God for not giving us more. We're irritable. We're selfish. Stripped to its bare essence, Irritability is caused by being preoccupied with our own unmet needs and forgetting totally the mandate of Jesus saying, if you want to be happy, get involved in the lives of others. We've heard it since kindergarten and we still don't believe it because most of us still don't do it. Proof that the love of Jesus changes people happens when we allow him, even at this stage in our life, after so many years going the other way, when we allow him to change our focus from self and selfishness to concern for others. Someone has calculated that we have 168 hours each week. 
And if we spend eight hours a day sleeping, we have 112 hours left to live life to its fullest. Isn't it rational to think what a pity it would be to waste one hour of this precious commodity called life being irritable? I don't know about you, but whenever I surrender to my irritable moods, and I have more than I like to confess, I'm always sorry. I'm sorry because I say things I don't mean that are not from my heart. And you know, as I'm getting older, I'm sorry because I'm wasting so much of this non-retrievable commodity called life. I can't get back those hours I waste. So rather than waste time in irritable moods, our text suggests this wisdom. The time to be happy is now. The place to be happy is here. And the way to be happy is to make others happy. When we believe that, we will become changed individuals because that's basically the message of Jesus. Many other teachers have said that, but the unique thing about Jesus is he gives us the power to change. I can't change. I can't stop being selfish. But Christ's love conquers our irritability because he helps us. He, un, he opens our eyes to understand happiness happens when we get off of our own needs and, and focus on putting the needs of others ahead of our own. That's counter to what our culture tells us every single day, but it's still the wisdom of Jesus. Reflecting on this truth this week, particularly because I've been trying to have a whole week without a mood of irritability, I've concluded I can't remember a time when I've been irritable that it was not caused by frustration over the fact my needs were not being met. So if we can change our focus to my needs being met today to my neighbor's needs being met, we're really attacking irritability at its root. You see, it takes a long time for some of us to get it through our heads that life won't revolve around our personal agendas. It won't. Life is not fair. Life is difficult, says Scott Peck. I believe him. It takes a long time for us to stop blaming God and anyone else in sight when things are not going as we plan. And usually things don't go as we plan. Life isn't like that. It takes a long time to accept the fact we're not going to achieve and acquire everything we think we need and deserve. Thinking deeper, the Bible says God is love. If we make the fulfillment of our personal needs and dreams the very axis around which our lives must travel, then do we realize our hearts are out of sync with God? Because who is God? God's a self-giving God. God showed us who he is when Jesus came here, left the glory of heaven, became poor so we could become rich. He reversed the whole economy of human relationships. And we're followers of this one who gave himself for us. When self rather than God is at the center of life, we're doomed to misery, folks. And this is a vital first truth in the wisdom of our verse. I hope we can hear it. There's a second truth is implied in this text. Being irritable has consequences. I think we know that. It makes us prone to anger. It robs us of joy and peace. It impacts our physical, our spiritual, and emotional health. And I could make the list even longer. When a person is chronically irritable, it's only a matter of time before that same person will break out in anger and even violence at someone or something. Because you see, We'll either turn anger against ourselves in depression or physical illness, or we'll let irritability against others smolder until it turns violent. Society gives too many examples of this truth. 
There's an epidemic of domestic violence, wife battering, child abuse, and verbal abuse, which is probably very common in our congregation. And these are examples of irritability out of control. We've allowed irritability to smolder until it spills over, usually, onto those people who mean most to us. Last year, an airman killed the psychologist who simply recommended his discharge from the Air Force, killed the psychologist, and shot 22 people. His psychological profile painted him as a very irritable person. The psychological study of the latest intruders to the White House grounds is that these two personalities smoldered in anger long before they climbed over the White House fence. Or let's bring it home. How many friendships here today, how many families are literally being torn apart because of your irritability, your short views, your unkind words, and mine? I find it very easy to suddenly feel intense anger against people. I imagine you do too. Have you ever really felt almost hatred for a politician you never even met? That happens rather frequently. Or we fume at a waitress who is too slow, a driver who's abiding by the speed limit on Santa Cruz and slowing us down. I had a guy pass me, because I've been trying to do it this week for a change, and a guy literally passed me on the double lane. He got so frustrated I was doing 30. Some drivers even shoot people who get in their way. That's happened on freeways. We become angry with God for not meeting our needs. And then we turn our anger into violence against ourselves. How? Well, we just waltz out and disobey God's laws. He hasn't been fair to us, so nuts to him. So we'll stay away from church and live a sort of a risque life. And what do we do? We shoot ourselves in the foot. Well, if you don't identify with violent dimensions of irritability, consider the consequences of being nothing more than a chronic grouch. Can we put a price tag on losing our smile? I'm becoming known as a person who murmurs and complains and slanders and strikes out with the tongue and, and, and a person you just don't dare ask how are they because they'll tell you. Uh, you know, some people say that older people tend to be sour pussies. I really don't believe that. I think what we become when we're older, because I'm getting older, is we just become more of what we've been all our life. And right now, we're setting apart a, a pattern. We're either becoming more of a grouch or we're becoming a person who radiates the joy of Jesus. And, there's, and it isn't old age, and it isn't pain, and it isn't the hard life we have, it's choices we make. In the Mercury News, it was reported how being an irritating grouch and complainer can cost a person promotions at work and set a negative environment for the workplace. It said people don't trust irritable people and they tend not to want them as friends. Indeed, irritability has tremendous consequences. No wonder our text reminds us that these attitudes have no place in the life of one who claims that the love of Jesus is in residence in our hearts. Isn't it fascinating how we tend to complicate the gospel? Maybe part of having preached so long is I'm getting over my theology. I was pumped into seminary where we complicate it so nobody can understand it. Jesus always preached where almost a third grader could understand. And he, he taught such simple things like saying, if you want to be mine and want to go love the world, don't be irritable. Because if you are, there are consequences. Now, that's kind of simple, and yet it's profound. 
problem is we can't do it. We can't stop being selfish. And we can't stop being irritable in our own strength. So how does Christ's love help cure our irritability? I think the, the wonderful thing about Christianity is that we offer the love of Jesus as the only power on earth that can take selfish people and make us giving people and caring people. It's Christ's love that's a divine power that enables us to focus on and get excited about other people's needs without demanding a return on our investment. It's Christ's love that dethrones self-satisfaction as the ruling monarch of our lives that's absolutely strangling society today. And it frees our energies to be invested in the needs and rights of other people. The Bible says if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We're not talking about a little trite subject today. We're talking about the very heartbeat of Christianity. Can you think of any power on earth that can solve the hatred between the Serbs and the Croatians, between Arabs and Jews, between ethnic groups in our own society, between you and the people who irritate you the most. There is no power but Jesus Christ. It's a cinch politics can't do it. It's a cinch we can't do it in our own strength. <clears throat> I need to tell you, the love of Jesus won't take away things from your life that frustrate you. His love changes our perspective of what is an irritant. Remember that old song in the 60s? It was one of my favorite. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. There's truth in that. When we view each other, human beings, whether they be in line or slowing us down on the highway as a brother or sister, they ain't heavy. That's what love Jesus, the love of Jesus does for us. It changes our perspective of that in other people which irritates us. When Paul talks to his friend Timothy in Philippians, he writes, but you know his proven character. The original word for proven means tested. It usually is under pressure or in the fires of adversity that we really find out what a person's like. Perhaps the opposite of irritable would be steady, not easily angered, not a cynic, not high maintenance. Character like an anchor that can be counted on, firmly grounded in God's love. A person without a short fuse. So today, if you seek maturity, and I hope you are as a Christian, we need to become consistent, no longer at the mercy of our needs, no longer persons who have to be handled with kid gloves, who will explode at the slightest provocation. How does that happen? Well, I think first the love of Jesus in our hearts fills us with a spirit of gratitude a wonderful cure for irritability. When we can start to view life as coming to us as a sheer gift, undeserved, unearned, we feel joy, we feel contentment rather than agitation by all those endless desires for more and more. My sister recently was diagnosed with cancer and she's going through chemotherapy and I talked to her yesterday and one of the things that she told me, she just heard that her cancer is treatable, curable. And she said, you know, everything else that used to irritate me and upset me have sort of taken a back seat. Today, I'm just glad to know I'm going to be alive. Think of the pilot that was just rescued in Bosnia. Do you remember his first words to the news? Thank God. Where are you today in terms of your complaint list? What's agitating you? What's causing you to be irritable? Have we forgotten we have the bare essence? If we're alive today and we know Jesus, we're rich. And we 
We've got to put up a barrier to these viruses coming in and keeping us in this irritable frame of mind that make us miserable and make everybody around us miserable. Ad agitated souls have lost the concept that life is a gift. But I want to tell you, it's impossible to be irritable and grateful at the same time. You fill your heart with gratitude, you can't be irritable. Impossible. I tried it this week. <laughs> One final help for irritability. And it's the fact that Christ's love is patient, says this chapter. Patience is rooted in the confidence that someone is in control of what's going on in our lives. Patience is confidence that God does work all things together for good. Patience understands and accepts the truth that it would be disastrous to have anything that God did not want us to have or to have it too early. Lloyd Ogilvy suggests that a patient person knows the shortness of time and the length of eternity. I love that phrase. A patient person knows the shortness of time and the length of eternity. Therefore, patience is really faith in action. One of the characteristics of Jesus is that he's patient. So when he starts living in us, he gives us patience, and patience cures our irritability. Now, our text claims that the love of Jesus enables us to put love for others at the center of our priorities and agendas. That's what I hope will happen to you if you attend Menlo Press. When Jesus enables us to remove self as the dominating force in our lives, then we've discovered our Lord's cure for this disease of the soul called irritability. It's guaranteed. So I want to invite you who might think you have problems with irritability to start this journey that I've been on at least since last Monday. Find one instance, and maybe it's nothing more, then as you leave church to find a driver who's slowing you down by going the speed limit and ask Jesus to change your attitude to that person. Because it's sort of infectious. You do it in one place and you start doing it all over the place. Find one time this week when rather than feeling irritable over what you feel God is not giving you, start thanking God for the blessings you've already received. Find one place on your agenda where you can consciously put self on the back burner, get involved in another person's needs, so by Saturday you can look back and say, well, at least one time last week, I did put that person's need ahead of my own. Bottom line, let's ask Jesus to give us a lifestyle where those who relate to us just think, you know, that's a nice person. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is no more simple, uh, uh, no more complex than goodness. Wouldn't it be good to just be thought of as a, a good person? We say, God is so good, so good to me. If Jesus is in us, why can't we just be good, be nice? So simple and yet so profound. That's what will turn a watching world to Jesus. Not angular Christians with sour pussies. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to and is in process of conquering our attitude of irritability. And that will be one giant step toward Christian maturity. So this week, let Jesus change you. I always like to say, if someone asks you, what did you learn in church this week? I was told not to be a grouch. Maybe you'll keep that in mind by Thursday. If we do, I think Jesus will be pleased. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, 
thank you for the model of life that you've given us. We, we're glad for the kind of person you are, and we want to become that kind of person in a very selfish, angry, violent world. Change us, Lord Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.